Good morning. Reach you in Jesus' name this morning. It truly is a blessing to be here. It's a special morning. It's an excitement to see commitments being made to follow Christ. This past week, I was working on a washer, clothes washer. I was getting a little bit deep. I was having needed some a little more expertise in troubleshooting. It's one nice thing about having a father-in-law that works on appliances. So I phoned him. And uh, he gave me uh, some little tips to help me with my troubleshooting the washer. And then I told him that I had to preach this morning. I said, you got any expert advice on that? And he gave me some pointers. And uh, there's a concept this morning that it's not new, it's old, yet I think we still need to think about it, be reminded of it, and the concept is the kingdom. Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3 for a passage this morning, very familiar. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Matthew chapter 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiments of camel's hair and leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out him, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions around about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be, to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance, and think not to say, Within yourselves we have Abraham to our father for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but ye but he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat in the gardener. But he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And John forbade him, saying, I have no need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou me? And Jesus answered and said him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus... It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased.
John was getting a group of people ready to meet Christ. These people were coming out from all over. They were seeking something that was better. They were seeking something that, that was going to last. They were tired of being oppressed. They were tired of living under somebody else. At that time, they were under the Roman rule. So any little bit of news of a kingdom, of a king, freedom, they were all ears. They were glad to, to go and find out what it was. And you know, that same concept carried into a life-changing experience for them. It wasn't that they were going to be free physically for the moment, but they were freed spiritually. John also recognized that there was somebody that was coming after him that was greater than him. Verse 11. He says, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but there's someone mightier whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. And he mentions that he's going to baptize you with something that is going to be more powerful. Notice at the beginning of the chapter there, verse 2, it says, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, it's not referred to in this account, but in, <clears throat> in uh, Mark chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and now, and now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe on the gospel. It often seems that repentance and baptism go hand in hand. And we can establish here that there's two kingdoms. This kingdom we're looking at this morning is God's kingdom. And it's obviously which kingdom is the other kingdom? Satan's kingdom. The world's kingdom would be hand in hand. Which kingdom are you in this which kingdom are you in this morning? Do you have any doubts in your mind? Which kingdom you're in? Which kingdom are you fighting against? Use that to check yourself. Which kingdom are you fighting for? Who's your king? Who's your commander-in-chief? These, these young ladies here this morning are going to make a public commitment to who their king 
and where their loyalties lie this morning. They have repented of their sin and they have made Jesus king of their lives. doesn't stop here either. I'm going to suggest that it's the beginning. You are now entering into God's kingdom. And you are now going to be His subjects and you're going to be His servants. And you will need to be His servants until you die. This is not easy, but the alternative isn't either. Satan would like to Satan would like us to think that it is easier and that sin that it is easier, but sin can have such a weight and can drive us deeper and deeper and deeper. Why were these mass crowds coming out to John the Baptist? They were sick of the oppression. They wanted freedom. They wanted true freedom. They actually wanted freedom from the Romans. But you know, they got something better. They got, a, they got true freedom. They found freedom from their sin. Let's look at God's kingdom. John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Very clear. Jesus says he was standing there before Pilate at his trial said my kingdom is not of this world. But with a kingdom there is territory. Physically kingdoms have territory. God's kingdom has territory too. What territory does God's kingdom encompass? In Daniel Chapter 7, verse 14. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. The whole earth is a territory, is God's territory. Also, in Luke. 17.21 there's a verse neither shall they say lo here or lo there for behold the kingdom of God is within you so we can deduct from that that God's kingdom is within our being too in our hearts if you have claimed God as your king you are now God's kingdom also a king kingdom has a king Jesus Christ is that king Revelation 1 5 and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead 
and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus Christ is that king. Kingdoms have subjects, servants, people that work for the king. We, those that are Christians, are Jesus' servants. And we need to be willing to be used to do his will and his mission. Kingdom has laws. Being a citizen in God's kingdom is not easy. You don't just automatically become a citizen by moving to another country. Here in the United States, our government has set forth a procedure that immigrants must follow. And here are the requirements. You must be 18 years of age, a lawful resident of the United States for five years, unless you marry a U.S. citizen, which you may make it three, a good moral character, able to read and write simple English, and finally, the applicant must take the oath of allegiance. The United States takes this very serious to become a citizen of their country. How serious do you think Jesus, our King, takes it when we give Him our citizenship? How serious do we take it when we take the oath? <coughs> if you were to become a U.S. citizen... This is probably what you would hear. I hereby declare by oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potent state, or sovereignty, or whom or which I have to hear for been a subject or citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and the law of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that will bear true faith, the allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by law, that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by law, that I will perform work of the national important under civilian direction when required by law, and that I take the obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose or evasion, so help me God. Stick with me here. I give this for your consideration. How serious... Our country understands this. How much more serious it is when these young ladies stand up and say their vows this morning. How much more serious is that of giving our allegiance to God? Let's take the time to reflect on the vows that we have made. The vows that we have committed to God. 
You see, the U.S. does not want or any country want citizens that are straddling the fence. There are some countries that don't even won't even accept dual citizenship. Does this come with any surprise that Jesus Christ requires the same loyalty? His kingdom requires an even greater loyalty. Matthew chapter 12 verse 30 He that is not with me is against me and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Matthew 10 verse 37 Through 39. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Luke 14.33 So likewise, whosoever he be in you that forsake not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. The difference between the United States does not require us to forsake all in order to become a citizen, but Jesus requires us to forsake all. Christ's kingdom, there cannot be any divided loyalties. He requires all or nothing. Jesus also, also tells us to consider the cost before joining his kingdom. Ladies, did you consider the cost? I trust you have. And you're going to commit to serve him, Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. In the Luke 14, 30, um, it's the account where I'll just read it. Luke 14, 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and he was not able to finish. How foolish does it look to start something and not finish it? Jesus doesn't want us to, fi to not finish what we start when we start building in his kingdom. Let's give it all we got. Luke 9:62 And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If we can get an understanding of of this kingdom, Christ's kingdom, God's kingdom, and we can grasp its meaning, it will become more precious 
to us than anything that we own. Do you believe that this morning? Turn to Matthew chapter 13. Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto treasure hid in the field, which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant man seeking godly, goodly pearl, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good in the vessel, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire where there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. See how precious the kingdom of God is? Here it likens it to three things. Treasure in a field, a ruby, Another thing that defines a kingdom is war. In times of war, it is expected that citizens put their loyalty into a country, even ahead of other loyalties that they have, and that even includes family. Sometimes it would happen that father and son would fight against each other, and brother against brother. In some ways, Jesus expects no less. His kingdom is real. And unlike any earthly kingdom, God's kingdom is always at war. Ephesians 6:12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual weakness in high places. There's a warfare that is raging for your soul, my soul. Are we committed to God's kingdom? And are we committed to be loyal to God's kingdom? Another thing I find interesting during war, there's often a, a... uh, thing they call rationing. There's shortages. World War II, rubber was the first thing that hit. Gasoline soon followed. Didn't take long, and sugar, coffee, meats, and tons of other products all got restricted. Now, <clears throat> if we had a person that was 100% patriot, and he was caught stealing gas from a refinery so that he could have and so he would not have to endure the inconvenience of the wartime restriction that was in place. Would you call him a true patriot? Absolutely not. No. He would be called a hypocrite, a fraud, and he could even be tried as a traitor. 
Is it any different in Christ's kingdom? Jesus laid out the laws and commandments and all of them are wartime laws. When we break His laws, we show ourselves as traitors. We show that we have no real love for Christ's kingdom. You know, we want to enjoy the benefits of living under His government, but we don't want to incur any hardship or inconveniences. Jesus can see right through any fake patriotism for his kingdom. Now sometimes it's, it's hard to get an understanding of these kingdom values. Probably the, one of the reasons why is that this kingdom is eternal. And therefore, it's going to last forever. So these laws, these rules, these guidelines have eternal merit. And sometimes we like things now and we want it now and we don't think of the consequences of eternity. David Berceau, in his book The Kingdom That Turned the World Upside Down has a illustration it's from the proceedings of the United States Naval Institute magazine and I'm just going to read it two battleships assigned to the training squadron that had been at sea on a maneuver in heavy weather for several days I was serving as the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell the visibility was poor with patchy fog so the captain remained on the bridge keeping an eye on all activities Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing of the bridge requested light bearing on starboard bow. It is steady. Is it steady or moving astern? The captain called out. The lookout replied, Steady, Captain, which meant we were in a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signalman, Signal that ship. We're on a collision course. Advise you change course 20 degrees. Back came the signal. Advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, Sin, I'm a captain. Change course 20 degrees. I'm a seaman second class, came the reply. You had better change course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, Sin, I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing message. I'm a lighthouse. We change course. You know that? Sometimes we get our minds made up. And we're set in our mind. And we think we may be right. We're this ship sailing through the sea. We're on a course. And there's beacons out there that we can get our readings off of that can guide us and if we don't expect those lighthouses those beacons to guide us our ship will end up on a rocky shore somewhere and it will not be pretty we need to be advisable to be changing our courses as we go may not be radical but 
If you need to change a little bit, change. Brothers and sisters, God's kingdom is going to last. Confidence, I can give that to you this morning. God's kingdom will win. My encouragement to you, young ladies, is you started, you have entered into God's kingdom, the fight has just begun. A verse I want to leave you leave with you is found in 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. kneel for prayer Lord just thank you for this time that we can gather together into your house thank you for your word thank you for the guidance that it gives us as we live our life just pray that as we commit ourselves to you and and following you and serving you that we would be faithful all the way to the end. And Lord, I just pray too for these young ladies here this morning as they make their commitments. I just pray that you would help them to be riveted and rooted in you and that they would remain faithful to you. I just pray that as we observe this, that we would be reminded of ours as well and, and we'd be reflecting on, on what great blessings that you have showered upon us, Lord. And I just pray that you would guide and direct us through this day, this service. Just pray your blessing upon it in Jesus' name. Amen.